Welcome to Football on the 40. It's already the midpoint of the 2022 football season, and Texas fans, we are riding high. The Horns are 4-2, coming off an absolute beatdown at the Red River Showdown. We can't wait to talk about that in just a minute. I'm your host, Jake Robinson, and I'm joined by Andrew Harris, Kevin Mathis, and Bowen Kai. We have an action-packed show this week where we will really dive into what's going right with this team, take a look forward to the Iowa State game, and bring back one of our favorite segments, the social media meltdown. We will get to all of that shortly, but first, as promised, the first annual Football on the 40-Yard Dash took place on Sunday, and I'm proud to say, unsurprisingly, yours truly took the W. So, Andy... You made the dads proud. You fought hard. Were a tough challenger. But I have to ask, do you accept the results? And are you prepared to bend the proverbial knee? I would like to start with a statement. I am disappointed in the results. I, I took a look at the video. I started off sloppy. Uh, continued running in the race sloppy. Um, it was just... A disappointment to the dads out there. I thought I was going to be able to prove myself against Jake. Unfortunately, I did not. Um, I would like to apologize at this time. There's no excuses. I got to move on. I uh, got to get better. Went back to training this morning. Uh, next year will be a different story. Um, but yeah, I, I got to accept the results. It is what it is. And uh, I don't know if bend the knee is right since I only lost by a tenth of a second. But sure, why not? Ben the knee is right. I can confirm. Ben the knee is right. It's a 40-yard <laughs> dash. What happened on the start? <laughs> what, what happened to you on the start? Did you did you like raise up, you know, and, and get extended too quickly? You know how Usain Bolt would stay tucked for like 40 meters? You know, you know, Kevin Mathis of the football on the 40, um, to answer your question quite candidly, you know, I, I can't make excuses. I just gotta go with how the result came out. Just didn't get the job done. Next. Well, I, I got to say, my, my, my start was not very good either. In fact, you were right with me at the start. So it was really the, I don't know, you just fell apart from the, you know, the five to 40 yard range. But um, yeah, that was fun. Also, there is an early contender for next year's race. Uh, Hamilton and Kevin is who will likely take on each other next year at texas ou so mark your calendars for that wow, that'll be a big one let's go watch out for Park, one. houston i'm gonna be there training all year ham <laughs> ham's calves are built for the 40 so good luck ham also ham also used to be a runner so i would not be surprised <laughs> if they ran a half a second faster than jake and myself I wouldn't be surprised either. We had a very slow time. It, it's okay. <laughs> I, I did not, I did not feel good about our time, Andy. <laughs> for, for no, that I being, didn't either. I know we're dwelling on this, but for that being the first one, uh, like Bowen and I were working really hard to, to host that event. We had pregame and postgame interviews with the athletes. Also there were about like maybe 15, 17, 18 of our friends there watching in person. And we had, um, Cayman and Kristen on the live all the way from the UK. Like that was a global event, guys. Huge, <laughs> yes. huge, huge debut event, live event it, for football on the 40. And we awesome can ponder stuff. this. We can ponder this next year, but as fast as the rate races, I mean, it's literally five and a half seconds. 
we could even do like a little mini tournament of like six or eight people and make it like a 10 minute event <laughs> oh gosh okay um, <laughs> let's get to the real about, stuff yeah yeah enough about racing um i'll take us into the game um which for me was a lot more exciting even though my wife was actually not feeling too great during the game that was a sad moment for me on saturday but going to the happy stuff you know i don't think we could have looked any better ou is terrible i think we can all agree on that it's personally the worst ou team that i've ever seen live in person um they had i mean without gabriel they just didn't have an offense their defense uh, they were fragile, like um, like it, what was said about them uh, going into the game. And yeah, uh, but real quick, I wanted to say to y'all from the 539 mark in the third quarter until the end of the game, how many yards do y'all think OU got? Negative 15. Okay, there's Kevin. Jake, Bowen, y'all got to guess? Uh, I'll guess 22. I'll say 12. <clears throat> Uh, Bowen, Bowen wins. It is three yards. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just nice. shows how bad they played. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I can add a lot more stuff, but Bowen, I want to hear more about, uh, stuff from your perspective. Yeah. You know, I was, I was the only one that was watching it on TV, um, out of all of us. And it was, it was really cool to see it on TV. Like the announcers were, I mean, there were there was no way that you couldn't be pro Texas on that broadcast, but it was it was really cool getting to getting to soak it all in. I feel like, um, yeah, we had like no notes from the game really. I mean, you can see all the tweets, and everyone is super super high on Texas coming out of that game. Like tons of tons of people saying like we had more points than they had passing yards. For example, I think they ended with like thirty nine passing yards. We ended with like forty nine points. I mean, Jatavion Sanders is just, I mean just amazing at tight end i think we did a great job like getting ahead on like first and second down as well with the run um def definitely noticed that like um anytime we would have an incompletion on first down or a lot of times like roshan would just bust out like eight or nine yards on second down and get us to third and manageable i think that was really cool and quinn was just i know we only have we've only seen him like in limited amounts this season but it's he's just he's just a delight to watch like the backyard ball. He's just, he's just cooking out there. I don't think we'll, um, defense is moving forward. Surely won't play him like that moving forward. Um, so it was fun to fun to watch that while we could Kevin, would you, would you think? So just context on the game, right? Before the season started, uh, three out of four of us picked us to win the game. So the outcome wasn't a surprise. Uh, but I just want to say kind of kudos to this group here, uh, because from the summer onward, we were talking about how much talent they lost, uh, what Brent Venables was going to try to do with this offensive slanted roster. And we felt like this was going to be a down year for them. And from the get go, we called them overrated. I believe they started at number six. So um, good job, guys, because that, you know, has has come to fruition. Um, I don't think we were that surprised by the outcome, but it, experiencing it was amazing. Um, walking into the stadium, I actually called a couple of buddies back from my Oklahoma days to see if they were at the fair to try to link up with them. And um, 
these two guys don't know each other. And independently, they told me essentially the same thing in that they were both like, Kev, have fun, man. This is going to be a route. This game's already over. And they know it. We know it. And it happened. To keep them to zero was monumental. I feel like the defense was really motivated in the second half to keep that as a goose egg on the scoreboard. And to actually pull that off is incredibly impressive. Um, you can say, yeah, this OU team is just awful, but on the Texas end of things, we've taken some pretty bad teams into the Cotton Bowl, you know, several times and have competed regardless. Um, so, yeah, they're bad. We've been bad and we've played against them a lot better than they did just against us. So, um, I thought I wasn't sorry. Did one of y'all want to say something? I, th I thought I was. I was really happy with Jay Witt's game uh, because last year he got hurt in the sec in the first half, actually, in this game. And that was kind of what the domino that fell that made us play terrible the rest. I, you know, that was my point of view. And Jordan Whittington had an awesome game. He was catching a bunch of those like 20 to 30 yard balls from Quinn, finding holes in the zone and just dominating. Um, and then lastly, this is the only game that I can recall from the Sark era where there was kind of something on the line and they played their A game for four quarters. Um, you know, we've seen them get hot and are used to them being hot starting out in the game when, when Sark is running scripted plays, but on both sides of the ball to actually keep that going literally the whole time, all gas, no breaks was, I feel like that that's what has been advertised to us. And we finally just saw it and it was, an absolute pleasure to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun it was a fun Saturday for sure. And as I like to do, I like to share a little bit of the fan experiences along the along the way during the season. And our section had a couple of interesting ones. Um, first and probably the most interesting or exciting was there was this OU fan in our section, and everyone in the whole area was like change your shirt. You're one of us trying to get him to put on a longhorn polo. I don't know why he would, but apparently he was open to the idea. Um, and by the end of literally in the fourth quarter, he took off his OU polo and put on a Texas hoodie. And it was fun to see that. Um, really funny. I think we have a video that we've shared on our Instagram. Um, also our buddy Landon did a shoey. And so if any of you have not, if you don't know what that is, um, he said, if we shut them out when we, this was like really early on too. I mean, it was like halftime. He was saying like, if we shut them out, he would pour a beer in a shoe and drink it. He did it. And it was gross. We also but... posted that my mom didn't know what it was. And she <laughs> DM'd all right. What did you DM our account <laughs> while we were at brunch on Sunday? <laughs> she was like, this is so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Mama Mathis. I agree. That's that's the grossest thing I I think that people do. So that I don't know. In, how, go ahead, Andy. I don't know how that became a thing. I don't I, either. It was big I enough. One, um, Mama Mathis said, "I just threw up in my mouth a little bit." Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, Mom. And then, in in addition to fan experiences, you know, I love to share some stats. So, first of all, um, we're back in the AP Top Twenty Five poll at twenty two this week, um, and our friend from the All State Playoff Predictor has Texas as a thirteen percent chance to make the college football playoff right now. We're actually higher ranked than any one loss team, um, and there's only five 
or six teams in all of college football that have a higher chance of making the playoff right now. So that's or seven. There's actually seven teams. So that's really random. We will say that the FPI is a huge part of that. And as uh, your resident FPI fans here, uh, we are predicted by at least a two thirds margin in every one of the, our remaining games this season. So what do y'all think about that? Uh, I, I mean, it's FPI. You can't trust it. So just throw it <laughs> out the window. Um, to me, the 13% just seems really high. Um, I mean, it'd be awesome if we ran the table, but even if we did, I feel like chaos would have to happen uh, for us to make the playoff. But um, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the season. One of the questions I asked was, would we become the first two loss Big 12 team to make the playoff? And the formula is there. <clears throat> Starts with a Bama loss this weekend. I will say, though, I think FPI is only been... We don't want Bama to lose. If Bama loses, that hurts us. They're number one. How does that hurt us? Because, because we, that's who we lost to. It diminishes our loss. I see what you're saying. <laughs> They're the one of the blue buds, though. FPI's only missed us on one game this season. And I think we are... Aren't we four and one against the spread? Yes. Five, five and one. We're five and one against the spread. So the the... The predictors are are tracking closely to our performance. It's not perfect, but yeah. All right, let's let's move on to our um, our rotational segment, which this week is a social media breakdown or meltdown. Um, I'm gonna hand it over to Bo. Bo, what what kind of research did you dig up on this Oklahoma loss yeah, or thanks, loss Jake. for Oklahoma? Yeah, this so this segment started last season after the tech game where we just hung 70 on them. I think I happened to get a tech post game conference press conference in my YouTube algorithm on my homepage. So I happened to click on it and people were just digging into the coach on the comment section. And I shared it with the guys and we had a chuckle about it. And so wanted to do something similar this time around and seeing, yeah, like Jake said, just the meltdown from the sooner perspective collected a few, um, notable quotes and some highlights around social media, whether it was YouTube or Reddit or some of the public message boards. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of go into, I'll go into a few, a few of them here. Um, so start off with starved rock three, one, four. He says Venable said this week. Uh, so referring to last week, I don't think we should treat this game any different than any other game. I think his team's effort reflected that today. They never even showed up for their biggest game of the year. 23 upvotes. Wow. Pretty, pretty indicting. Um, all right. This one from Ryan. He says, I've never been ashamed to be an Oklahoma fan until today. I've watched every game without exception for almost 40 years and I've been to dozens in person, but this is shameful. When a team falls to a certain point, it's very difficult to get it back. And then Oklahoma Sooner fan in the reply, he says, I'm saving my shame for next week when Kansas blows us out. Ooh, guys, I mean, as as we can we can we can certainly empathize with portions of this, not quite the 40 years necessarily, but um, you know, we've had we've had rough stretches in these past few years of being fans, and certainly with Kansas. I mean, that's that's gotta be rough, right? And that's so I think like as we were going through these, like we just I just kind of noticed that fans weren't as much digging into the 
into the program or into the coaches, like in a, I think they just kind of like accepted their demise. And it was like almost sad in a way was the, was the sense I got. Kevin, did you, did you notice anything out there when you were kind of reading as well? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're dejected. They're not used to this. And unfortunately they've seen this coming. They've been burned by the transfer portal and coaching talent. And frankly, they live in Oklahoma and it's tough to get 17 year olds to get excited about moving up there. (laughs) Um, You know what say, say the Oklahoma program has climbed up to the top of a nice, beautiful Oak tree. When you fall from the top, it's not a pleasant ride down. There's usually a bunch of branches that are going to just absolutely smoke you before you hit the ground. And they're just tumbling down this tree and they just got beat in the face by one of the branches. And I think there's about two or three left starting with Kansas, <laughs> but well, wow. one, the of these, there. The one of there these top notch, <laughs> one of these comments I want to talk about. Cause I, I had to Google who this person was to figure out why it was funny. Um, this is also a comment on that YouTube video. It says it's by Michael Talamantes. We should have let Michael Turk play QB. He threw the best ball the whole game. Do y'all know who Michael Turk is? Yeah, he was the uh, yeah, the dude. holder. He was the holder on the fake <laughs> field goal. He's their punter. <laughs> he threw a good ball. He threw a good ball. I, I was texting my dad during the game. I've never seen a box score like this during a game. Oklahoma had five players that attempted a pass that game. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They were going with gimmicks from the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So last, last one I'll say, um, is from, and there's a couple actually it's from Norwooding. He says, Brent is in way over his head. We need to pay the buyout and bring out the cash truck for urban Meyer. <laughs> and similarly on OU insider says subject urban Meyer description anybody got his number question mark so folks we have our first maybe not first but we have an urban meyer sighting in the (laughs) ou message boards i think this is a a pretty monumental point of the season for this for the sooners fans you'll love to see your rivals talking about getting rid of their coach six games into its tenure ah just makes you so happy doesn't it yes (laughs) Indeed yes, it does. Indeed it does. But the thing about OU is they've been they've been consistently good for twenty plus years, so they don't know what this feels like. Where we've felt like this the last what twelve years, um, yeah. and so like to them, it's I don't know. They haven't had the fall like Kevin said, so it's it's gonna it's gonna hurt for a bit. Welcome, welcome to the bottom of the dumpster. It stinks down here. <laughs> I don't know if we're there now. I don't know if we're in the bottom of the dumpster right now, but I I hope they keep falling and falling. And when they hit the ground, I hope they dig a hole and go further down. Nice. That's all. That's all I got on the social media meltdown this week. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back right after this short message. This Football on the 40 episode is brought to you by Hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare, like why Amazon bought One Medical, and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. 
If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology Today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. And we're back. It is time to preview the upcoming game against the Iowa State Cyclones this Saturday. The game is in Austin at DKR. Starts at 11 a.m. on ABC. Um, Weather report looks pretty fine. It's going to be warm. We're looking at 91 degrees, but the humidity is returning. So it's going to be sticky and probably more like 95. It's going to feel like 95 by the end of the game. Um, That being said, um, just wanted to throw this out there. Sark has been consistently talking about fan involvement and noise at DKR this year. And in his Monday uh, Monday press conference, he thanked the fans for showing up in Dallas and being loud, but really pleaded with the fans to be there early on time and loud for Iowa State and make this culture of making DKR a loud environment. Um, so just thought I would throw that out there, get there early and be there on Saturday. Andy, um, what do you got for us? Sark, I'll be watching the game from my couch. So I'll be doing my part. Uh, <laughs> don't want to make the two and a half hour drive this weekend. Uh, but yeah, um, we're playing Iowa State this weekend. Um, in my opinion, they're a good team, not a great team, but we'll dive into that a little bit more later. Uh, last year at this time, we talked about the our trip to Ames, Iowa. So we won't kind of go into that again, but I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on the 2018 game. If y'all don't remember, that was a game where uh, Don't Stop Believing started for the first time and they did the flashlights on the phone. Um, unfortunately, I was not there, but uh, Jake, Bell, and Kev, um, what, did y'all, what did y'all think of that game? I remember that game pretty well. Um, the Don't Stop Believing video is really cool. They've tried to replicate that a couple times since. Um, but I think it was a really important game that year because it really felt like, okay, this Texas team is is pretty darn good. And, it, and, it, and the win actually – I mean, well, the win next week against Kansas um, helped. But – it really, I think, was probably a more important game to get us to the Big 12 championship that year. So I remember it really well. They were never in it. It was fun. Night game on Longhorn Network. Biggest game ever on Longhorn Network, I would bet. <laughs> that was the biggest game. And Shane Buchel uh, played that game and played well and helped us uh, get the win. But, uh, yeah, let's look into Iowa State, this current version of Iowa State, a little bit more. Uh, they started off the season real hot with uh, winning their first three games, including beating Iowa for the first time in I don't know how long, but a long time. Um, so things are looking good for them, but uh, last three games have kind of gone the wrong way for them. Um, they've lost to Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, but only by a total margin of 11 points. So, yeah, they've barely lost those games. Um, and if you notice now, um, Iowa State no longer has Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, uh, kind of their staples that they've had the last few years. Kev, can you talk about your fatuation with those players that Iowa State had? <laughs> um, they were all legit. I mean, Charlie Kohler was scary. Reese Hall is killing it in the NFL. I don't know where Brock Purdy is, but, you know, that's that's a huge loss of talent. We just talked about what that did to OU, so. I, 
I have a question. The most important question is Ass Alley still their kicker? He is not their kicker, actually. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and their kicker uh, honestly blew the game against Kansas. I think he missed three field goals against Kansas. Um, so did not did not kick very well. But Kansas State, he uh, kicked a little bit better. Um, but yeah, Iowa State is led by Hunter Deckers this year. He is decent, throws about 252 yards per game, completes 67% of his passes. He throws a lot of underneath passes, doesn't, does not go deep a lot. Um, has thrown 11 touchdowns, but has also thrown six interceptions. So I think this is a game coming up where we can, um, hopefully get at least a pick or two. Um, so yeah, they don't have a ton of great playmakers this year they really only have one guy that i feel like that's dangerous xavier hutchison he's had 57 catches this year for 604 yards that's about 39 percent of the team's receiving yards this year and uh for comparison the highest guy on texas is um worthy at 22 percent so they go to him a lot um kev do you have any other opinions about their offense and how they've looked this year Overall, their rushing attack doesn't seem to be dominant, although um, Jarrell Brock is fairly consistent as a team. They average less than four yards per carry. I think it's in the low threes. So it it sounds like with that tendency and over-reliance on one receiver, our defensive line should continue playing well. And, you know, we can shift around some athletes in the secondary to shut down Hutchinson, maybe Deshaun Jamison can do it himself and it'll just be another another goose egg. Um I don't have much here that I'm that I'm concerned about. Yeah. I their offense is not scary. And I don't as a Texas fan and especially watching how we played last week, um, we should not be concerned about their offense. Going to their defense real quick. Um, they're number eight in the country, actually, in scoring defense. I think that's primarily based on who they've played. Um, but you know, Iowa does not have the best defense or I mean offense. Uh, they've played a couple other cupcake games as well. So I don't think they've had they've played an offense like Texas so far. Baylor's probably the closest thing, and they gave up 31 points at Baylor. Um, so yeah, they they're they have had a good scoring defense, but it will be tested this weekend. Kind of similar to the offense, not a lot of impact players except for Will McDonald. He's the current active leader uh, career-wise in the FBS for total sacks. So he can get some sacks going, but I think Texas with their O-line and especially in pass protection, I think we'll be able to hold up. But, wow, yes. I see Will McDonald has three and a half sacks this season for a total of 33 yards lost. So Dang. that could be a problem. <laughs> I don't know. It's 33 yards loss is a lot for only like three and a half sacks. Yeah, but, those are those are game changers. Yeah. So I think personally, I think if Texas scores 21 to 24 points this game, or um, you know, if they score 21 to 24 points, I I think that's a win for Texas. Um, Kev, do you think do you think we need to score more? You feel good about that? I'd say 30 just to be safe and and assuming everyone stays healthy where's I need to knock on wood 
Assuming everyone's healthy, I think we can do that. Like you said, our offense is a little bit different than what they've come up against recently. Our running back room is just super deep. <laughs> um, 24 might be enough, but let's call it 30. Okay, well, let's go with the 30 uh, point game. I think we'll, we'll do that. The only game that we haven't scored at least 30 points is Bama. We're not playing against Bama, so... Yeah, exciting stuff. I think uh, Texas is well positioned again uh, to win this weekend. But, Bo, take us in the betting corner. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Kev. Um, all right, going into our next segment of betting corner, we all are familiar with with the outcome of, of last week's game. Texas covered the margin, the initial line, the adjusted line, and then once Quinn got announced, we covered that too. So if you bet at each and every – at every point you would have been fine um and the under did hit unfortunately yours truly did have the over which contributed to a less than stellar week but um rest of the guys had phenomenal weeks we had kevin in first and a weekly standing and then andy followed closely behind myself in third and jake in fourth overall i am still in first although my lead is dwindling andy is in second jake in third and Kevin in fourth, but really, really bridging the gap. Kevin, how does it feel to to really get a great week under your under your belt? Hey, it, it feels good. I know the scoreboard hasn't changed, but I picked up 13 units on you and Jake over the weekend. So uh, feeling great about that. I almost had a perfect week. I picked TCU to cover. The line was seven. They won by seven, and I learned that in Vegas rules, I don't make any money off of that. So <laughs> that hurt a little bit. <laughs> but last yeah, week I was, you don't lose any money, too. Yeah. Last week I was saying, like, I need to be a, just a dog and just dig it out of the dirt. And that's the kind of week I, I, you know, like Sark says, we practice hard. We show up Monday through Friday. Sometimes it shows up on the field. Last week, that's how my week was. It, it showed up on the field. I love it. I love I, it. We, we can't we can't let Bowen get away though. He he technically had a perfect P. He did not he did not put in he did not put all ten units on the line, but he did not win any bets. That is a good point. I definitely did. I I uh. What, yeah. Do we call that a perfect P still? That's, that's a perfect P. Yeah, that is a perfect, perfect P. P. Dang, it was a. Uh, I uh, I I bought into the Kansas hype, and um, I thought the Sooners. I last week on the pod, I did say that Texas would need to account for at least two thirds of the total. I didn't expect the Sooners to account for literally zero percent, so that did not go into my my thesis for last week. So, looking ahead though, this week um, Texas opened as fourteen and a half point favorites, I believe, um, which means that Vegas thinks that you know we would win by over two touchdowns if you wanted to put money on Texas. But now that line has since moved up on the sportsbook that we are using to 16 points. So if you want to bet on Texas to cover the spread, you need to think that we will win by at least 17 points, which is quite a lot. Um, the total uh, is now 49. So combined scores of being over or under 49 is where that is sitting right now as of Monday. We might see some movement throughout the week, but... That's where we're going to take it right now. So, yeah, we'll start with you, Jake. Anything you liking in this Texas game? Yeah, I'm actually liking a lot in this game. Um, 
first of all, I, I like the over. So I, I know we've talked about how good Iowa State's defense is, but Iowa State is still averaging 23 points a game. Texas is averaging 39 points a game. So we're over 60 if you look at that. Take out and just make it conference games, and the two teams combined are still averaging 56 points a game. So it seems a little low in light of the offense that we saw this week with Texas. I don't think their defense is going to be too much for us. So I, I want two units on the over, and I also think Texas is going to cover. So I want one unit on covering the 16. I think we're going to win this game by about three touchdowns. Wow. I like it. Nice. Okay. Kevin, we'll go to you next. So I don't feel comfortable betting on the line, but like Jake said, I, I also like the over in this game. So I'm going to put um, two units on the over. Okay. Nice. Andy, what about you? Very good pick. Very good pick, as Lee would say. We miss Lee on, on college game day. Um, yeah, I I got to agree with you, Kev and Jake. I think the over will happen. So I'm going to place two units on the over. Wow. Jeez. Okay. Um, I will round us out. The over is tempting, but it burned me last week. So I'm just going to take a, a week break. I, I like us covering the 16 as well. I mean, it's, it's a lot of points, but we're at home. We've played extremely well at home. We're riding high off the momentum from Red River Showdown. So I'm going to put three units on Texas covering the 16. All righty. Cool. So now we can move out to elsewhere around the league. Um, what are y'all keeping an eye on? Um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of notable games this week. I don't know if y'all have, y'all have seen some of them. Um, Kevin, is there something that's catching your eye? We can start with you first. For the most part, um, I see a big game versus Penn state and Michigan, I think, but I don't know the, the big 10 that well. I also don't know the pac 12 that well, but I see USC is playing Utah. USC still undefeated. And Utah is favored at home by three and a half points. I think Lincoln Riley will roll through Utah. So I'm going to put three units on the, the money line for USC. Also, Alabama has a huge game against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Alabama's going on the road to Knoxville. Bama's favored by seven and a half. I'm going to take Tennessee money line for three units. And that's going to be it for me this week. Wow. wow. Betting against <laughs> the Crimson Tide. That's that's new. That's new for Kevin. I don't you know. You have a family now, like. Kevin. You have a family. <laughs> you know that's what feeds the family. Oh I mean I, he's a dog. He's it's a dog. gonna be it's gonna be a dog fight. So yeah, me, it, I'm a dog. I love that. Tennessee's, Tennessee's mascot is a dog. So <laughs> yeah. I I almost thought to do to do uh you know just to cover, but but I, I think they're gonna they're gonna win. I I like I actually like those bets. That was that was just interesting. Um, I'll go next. Um, I'm I'm gonna call this week the Jake outsmarts Vegas week because and y'all can quote me on this because there are three games in particular that make no sense on what the lines are to me, and usually that's a that's when you stay away from those games. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna outsmart Vegas this week. Those three games, Kevin mentioned two of them. Tennessee is seven and a half point underdogs to Alabama. Doesn't make sense. 
the games in Knoxville. Uh, remove the names from from this the, this line, and if you put this situation and looking at what you've seen on the field, Tennessee should be favored. Definitely not seven and a half point underdogs. I want two units on Tennessee minus seven and a half. Kansas OU, another one that doesn't make sense. Kansas is seven point underdogs. The game is in Oklahoma, but I don't think it really matters. I want two units on Kansas plus seven. And Kevin already mentioned this one, USC, Utah. Why is Utah favored? They just lost um, to UCLA. USC is undefeated. I say USC plus three and a half for three units. Won't be gaining any ground on Jake this week, but we're both going to the moon. You could. Y'all have you're you're taking the money line position. Jake's Jake's a spread better this week, so I'm, you could, you I'm could. too scared to ever take the money line against Bam. Although I think I did that when Texas played them. Never mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, we'll we'll go to you next. Take us. Okay. Home. Uh, yeah, those games. I I agree with Jake. They don't make sense, but as wise people have told me in the past, don't don't bet on games that don't make sense. And I'm just not going to follow um, follow along with those games. So um, I'm going to go look at a couple other games around the Big 12. And um, yeah, West Virginia, they play at home against Baylor. Um, I don't think Baylor is as good this year as um, they were last year. West Virginia, I know they did not play well against us, but with JT Daniels and the rest of their team, I think they have a chance to pull off the upset. And with the uh, money line odds where they are, I, I feel good about it. So I'm going to place one unit on West Virginia to pull out the victory at home against Baylor this Thursday. Um, Oklahoma State goes on the road to play TCU, the marquee Big 12 game this weekend. Um, TCUs look great, but they've not played an opponent like Oklahoma State yet. Oklahoma State was a little sloppy against Tech. I think they rebound. I'm going to place three units on Oklahoma State money line. Um, and then lastly, well, I guess technically I am betting on Utah and USC, but I'm not betting on either team. I'm just betting on the over. Both have really good offenses. I think they're going to score some some points, and I I think both teams combined will get over 63 points. So going with the over for Utah USC for four units. Bo, take us home. All right. Three units. Wow. Very, very diverse bets out here. I, I do like a lot of what y'all have been talking about. Um, I am going to tail a few of them. I like Oklahoma state this week as well. I feel like I agree. They didn't look too great against tech, but I feel like tech just does something to you with, with all the fourth down shenanigans that they're running and, they just put you in a, in a weird funk and they were able to survive. So um, I'm going to put two units on Oklahoma state to cover uh, the three and a half against TCU. And then I, Oh gosh. In my heart, I was going to take Tennessee to cover. I think do I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, do it. Ten, I'm going to do two <laughs> units on Tennessee to cover, <laughs> to cover the seven and a half as well. I think it's uh yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going to do it. Welcome to the doghouse, baby. We're going. We're going in the SEC. Might as well get used to it. We're going to see. We're going to start to see Tennessee in a lot of these bets. So, um, all right. I think that wraps us up. I'll make sure to get the bets in this evening, and uh, we will go from there.
when y'all can't feed the family next week i i'm not gonna have any sympathy for y'all at least everyone here knows who hendon hooker is now though going into this this game so just well aware these days yeah (laughs) yeah Okay, I'm going to move us into the mailbag uh, this week. We have a couple of mailbag questions. Just uh, as a reminder, you can submit your mailbag question. We will read it out on the air during our episode. Um, You can submit questions, comments, random stat lines you find. That link can be found in our Instagram bio or in our Spotify uh, description. First up, we have Andrew Lamb, who asked a couple of questions. I'm going to ask this first one first because it's pretty fun. Over, under, two and a half seasons for Venables at OU. What do y'all think about that one? Under. Well, (laughs) man. Gosh, I don't know because that's just saying that next year is his last year. It's going to take him a while to turn this thing around because he's he needs defensive talent. You get fired mid mid season in his third year. You could still take the under. Yeah, I'll take the under yeah. on that. I'll take the under on that. That oh, means he's like fired like... before OU Texas in his third season, right? Or he gets or fired after, after Texas after. OU. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Like, it's it's just not a desirable job, right? Like it's I mean Lincoln really gutted it. They've kind of gotten. I guess, you know, something that our friend Evan talks a lot about is that they've just gotten lucky the past 20 or so years with just really great coaches like Stoops and then leaving a ton of foundation for Lincoln to, to take in. And then Lincoln did not pay that forward. He just gutted it completely, went to the West Coast. So I just feel like, I mean, who's going to go there? Like Matt Rule? Is, is he going to OU? Like, I don't, I don't know. No, <laughs> no. no. He'd be very lucky. We don't want him. <laughs> and and no. as we've as we have come to learn once you're gutted and you're looking to get lucky on coaches that's gambling right there um because because good good blue blood coaches are are not common and you know you could make the argument that we're still searching after mac left like it, it could be a while also like in the recruiting battle i mean all the recruits that OU brought to that game gone there was one notable recruit for OU that, you know, claimed that he left the OU side and started sitting with Texas <laughs> during that game. Like, That's awesome. Uh, okay, another question from Andrew. He, he asked, um, how would you rank the Texas teams? Now, this is the, the, the um, Texas schools. Let, let's keep it simple here, and we're only going to talk about TCU, Baylor, Texas, and UTSA. How about that? Okay. How would y'all rank those four? UTSA has before. I think right now you got to go Baylor three. TCU is undefeated, so I think you just you still got to give them credit. So Texas two, TCU one. I think I'd flip TCU and Texas just from what I've seen on the field. And I don't know. I think, yeah, I think Baylor would be three. Yeah, I would do that too. I'd still put UTSA fourth, probably. Yeah, mine's the same. Yeah, same. TCU, Texas, Baylor, UTSA. Oh, okay, okay. mine's Texas, TCU. So we got, oh. we got a split. Oh, yeah. There. Okay, we're split down the middle. There we go. That's fun. Thank you for those questions, Andrew. Uh, Brian Howell says, here's an interesting stat for your podcast. The most accurate college football kicker ever 
was Brett Baer, who was 90% accurate in his college career. So far, since Sark was hired, opposing kickers are hitting 91% of their field goals. So he's just pointing out that technically our opponents have been more accurate than the most accurate ever. Damn, so he, he went from kicking field goals to Fox News? No, oh my gosh, different. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brett Bear. <laughs> yeah, Definitely no. a different Brett Bear. <laughs> yeah, the kickers have been crazy. I mean, you you saw in the, the Bama game this past week, like the kicker just could not, They I mean, they were at home. They could, he could not drill any of those kicks and, we saw a few uh, tweets, I think one from, um, was it Deshaun Jameson? I think it was. He was like, now you're drilling the kicks, you know, kind of referencing his late game uh, go-ahead field goal against us um, when we played them. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a variance thing, but it's, uh, it is quite something, the, the field goals against us. I have a quick question. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say Brett Bear played for Louisiana Raging Cajuns back in 2012. So different, different Brett. <laughs> okay. okay. Confirmed. Oh, um, man. I have a quick question. Give a 10-second answer. Um, if you're A&M right now, are you encouraged or more discouraged um, from the result on Saturday? Uh, as opposed a- to what? Yeah. Like before, before the game, like AM last week at this time versus AM this week at this time. I would say, I would, I would say AM fans are all about the moral victories. And so they're going to be very happy that they're three and three right now because they almost beat Bama. Yeah. They I just agree. ran out of time. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> but, but they're, they're down on Jimbo. They're starting to wake up with this whole bad deal with Jimbo. Uh, and the last play of that game was, was kind of, a good example of that. Um, also, we were texting each other about that that clip on Feinbaum last week, right? When somebody called and they called in and said that a hitman would be cheaper than his buyout. Like, they may be taking the moral victories, but <laughs> I think they're starting to turn sour on Jimbo. And with the guaranteed money, he's just not incentivized to, like, work hard. Yeah. I mean, he still wants to win, though. But especially, especially when if he just has a mediocre year, they'll extend it another ten years and hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that that's that's all we have from the mailbag reminder. Y'all can submit those if you have anything you'd like to share. Uh, that does bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, we are excited to come to you every Thursday. We hope you come back and listen to us again next week. Hamilton Lizer is our producer and puts this together. We thank him for his services each and every week. But that's all we got for you all this week. We will catch you next time on Football on the 40. Hook them. <laughs>